Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome to the show, MD Nation! As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're giving you a great episode here today as you go through the fantasy analysis by Team Depth Charts Part 6 in today's episode. We're going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, and we're going to have a great interview for you at the end in the last segment, so make sure you're listening to the show all the way through as we break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're not going to want to miss a thing today. Not just today, but always. You never want to miss a thing on this show. You never want to miss a thing that this show or myself am producing. And that includes following me on Twitter, at MDFFshow. Make sure you put your news notification updates on. Get it all. All the player news. All the new episodes. All the new content going on from the networks that I am a part of, the Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, Unwrap Sports Networks, all the information and all the great content spilling out from all of them, all the fantasy football content, I retweet it all. You can go to my Twitter, at Show and be a one-stop shop for fantasy football. We're about a week and a half away from the projections and the rankings and the first complete MD Football Show draft kit being available to you to help you win your drafts. Just go to mdffshow.com to check out what we have already in place, like the off-season research that you can already do. And we'll have schedules, we'll have depth charts, we'll have tier rankings. That's all going to be made available to you at mdffshow.com. So make sure you familiarize yourself with the website and check out what we have on there now. 
and you can go there to find all of our new episodes too. Great times. Great times for the show. We're getting closer to August. So exciting. I'm just ready for football. I am just ready for, so excited that I am just ready for the kickoff of preseason. Just give me something to analyze, even if it's meaningless. I don't care. We don't have a latest news segment for you guys today. In a way, that's probably a good thing because if we did, it's usually negative this time of year. Injury, holdouts, that's what we're looking at as we get underway into training camps, a lot of which have started, all of which will be have started by next week. So we have that to look forward to as well. A lot of news will be coming out. That's why you have to make sure you have your news update notifications on. But let's get into the show because we have a jam-packed one for you here today. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to jump right into the San Francisco 49ers to kick things off. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. With the San Francisco 49ers, the number one question on everyone's mind, of course, is what can we expect out of Jimmy Garoppolo? He's back. He's healthy. He is chomping at the bit to prove that he deserves the contract that he got, chomping at the bit to prove that he can become a franchise quarterback. He's in a good quarterback-friendly system under Kyle Shanahan. That fits his skill set very well. He can utilize the play action. He can utilize his athletic ability in rolling out. He's a very accurate passer, which is what that West Coast system needs the most at the end of the day. The only thing he doesn't have is a plethora of weapons. He has some up-and-coming ones. He has some young guys. He has a couple decent ones. But he doesn't have a plethora of weapons. And that's really the real key for the San Francisco 49ers and their red zone opportunities. But... It depends on what you're looking at. Last year, I prorated him out. If you were to say prorate him out from when he went down, which he only played two and a half games last year, so I understand it's a very, very small sample size when we're talking about prorating his entire season out with the rate that he was in for those first two and a half games. But if you were to do so, it would have been... 475 attempts, 283 completions with 3,800 yards, 27 touchdowns, also 16 interceptions. A lot of people forget how many interceptions he threw early on in those first few games. Not a lot of pass attempts. They were running the ball quite a bit, and I expect that to continue. Look, they didn't bring in all these running backs or or keep all these running backs for nothing, right? They're going to run the ball quite a bit. Now, is he only going to throw the ball 475 times? No. It's gonna it's gonna be well over five hundred. Four hundred and seventy five times you're talking, you know, Jacksonville, Jaguar, Baltimore, Raven territory as far as past attempts go. It will definitely be more than that. It'll be more like it'll be closer to five hundred and fifty attempts. Which means he should go over four thousand yards. He should be over that territory. Most likely around that forty two hundred range. I think you can expect the high end in the twenties of touchdowns. Maybe 30s if Dante Pettis truly emerges. But it's still going to take some doing. It's still going to take to see who, what wide receiver can really be a, 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 a red zone threat outside of George Kittle on a consistent basis, I believe, in order for him to actually get over that 30 hump mark this season. I think somewhere between 
25 and 28 is a little bit more realistic for Jimmy Garoppolo this season. Backing him up, of course, we have Nick Mullins, who, you know, thankfully he should be the second string this year. I think we've he proved that he is better than C.J. Bethard, and C.J. Bethard will probably still be on the team. He'll probably still carry three quarterbacks, and he'll be there as the third string. So you know what the backups are. You've seen them in action when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Because his value can help boost everyone else's value around him, especially when you're trying to examine this team from a fantasy perspective. Let's look at the running backs, for instance. Yes, it's kind of a, a headache right now because they kept so many. And you know they're going to keep so many because they signed Raheem Mostert to a three-year deal. Yes, he's a big-time special teams player, but you saw last year he actually flashed and showed some ability to be pretty effective when given his opportunity. Not to mention he's going to be sitting there right behind Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon. And, of course, Tevin Coleman expected to be at the top. Behind him is Jeff Wilson Jr., who even got the saw play last year. I would say, if I was a betting man, Jeff Wilson Jr. will have to get cut because there's no way in hell this team is going to go into the season with five active running backs on any given week. There's just no way. So I expect Jeff Wilson Jr. to get cut. Will there be another cut as well? I would hope so. If I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I would try to trade or cut my losses with Jerry McKinnon, quite frankly. You're not paying Matt Breida anything. He's shown to be able to be effective in the passing game as well as the running game. He's a great backup to Tevin Coleman, a great platoon guy to Tevin Coleman, if that's what they're going to do as well. I don't think there's any reason to keep Jerick McKinnon on the books for his $8 million a year. None. If you cut him now, do you have you already paid him the roster bonus? Yeah, but... Let's get it done. Get it over with. You'll still save some money this year, and you'll be definitely have his contract off the books heading into next season. But that's not a fantasy conversation. That's for another time. That's for another venue. Fact of the matter is, he is the number two running back behind Tevin Coleman. He will have a role, especially on passing downs. Kyle Shanahan, there's no doubt about it, especially now that he signs Tevin Coleman, is trying to look at this backfield like he had with Coleman and Davante Freeman when he was in Atlanta. That's clearly what he's looking to try to do. Now, it might be flip-flopped here because where Freeman was the starter, Coleman is definitely going to be the starter. He is the best running back of the group. But besides all of that... He is the perfect type of running back for this zone West Coast system. He can catch the ball really well. He's explosive when he gets out in the space, and he's a great cutter. That's that's what he wants to do. He wants to take the ball down the line of scrimmage, stick his foot in the dirt, and go north and south. He wants to one cut and run, and that's exactly the type of runner you have to be in this zone scheme. And last year... I had to go back and actually look at this because I thought Tevin Coleman was injury prone last year and he was in some senses. He dealt with a nagging ankle injury that pretty much lasted through the season with him, but he only actually missed two games last season. That was it. He was there for the entire season. I thought it was more than that because I probably just came under the impression. I remember every week Tevin Coleman being question mark for the season and He played through it, which I think explains a lot as to why we didn't see the explosiveness that you would, you came to expect out of Tevin Coleman, especially when he was in a situation where he finally was the starter because Devontae Freeman was out injured. And yet it seemed like we saw more big flashes from Edo Smith from time to time when he got his opportunities when he was spelling Tevin Coleman. 
I think Tevin Coleman's going to be healthier this season. I think he's an offense that he loves. And I think he's going to have a role in the passing game, too. This isn't going to be a situation where automatically on third down, here comes Jared McKinnon. And I don't believe it's going to be the split to the point where it was in Atlanta, where it was one series Freeman, one series Coleman. I think we're going to see more of a situation where it's going to be two series for Coleman, one series for McKinnon. And then the annoying part comes in where Matt Breed is going to get sprinkled in along the way as well. And you're never going to know when it's coming. That's going to be the annoying part. That's going to be the part that really caps the ceiling of Tevin Coleman. I think Tevin Coleman would be fine. and would actually have the upside of a solid to high-end RB2 had it not been for Matt Breida being sprinkled in and having the factor that in. Breida being there is what keeps him in the RB3 territory. Flex play, 7th, 8th round type of guy. That that's what caps his ceiling at the end of the day. The fact that you know he's going to get sprinkled in for probably somewhere between six and seven touches, maybe a little bit less on a week to week basis. But there are going to be games where he gets up that high, where Jerick McKinnon gets eight to ten. Tevin Coleman's. I think you're looking for him to get sixteen touches on a per game basis, and whatever form that takes: twelve carries, four catches, sixteen carries no catches, whatever the case may be. I think you're looking for him to get 16 touches. If he can average anything more than that, if he can average 18 touches, 19 touches, he's going to be an RB too. But I think you're looking at him from a 16-touch standpoint, and that keeps him in the flex territory. But he's a guy who has some upside because he's in the right offense or the right situation. He's going where he's valued right now. Now, one thing I want to touch real quick on before I move on to the wide receivers is that I do hear a lot from a lot of other fantasy experts out there whose advice has gone something to the effect of, when it comes to the San Francisco 49er running back, I'm going to take the last one ranked because they all could get hurt. Shanahan can use whoever he wants. Shanahan could use a hot hand approach. So I'm going to take the lowest one ranked because that's one's going to be the best value. That is stupid advice. And I've heard it from multiple places, multiple mainstream places, not just one source in particular, multiple. And that is stupid advice. I want all of my listeners to be aware of that. Dumb. I am not touching Jerick McKinnon. I am not touching Matt Breida. For what? For what purpose? They're in a situation where they only get in there if the guy in front of them goes down. And in Jerry McKinnon's situation, even if Tevin Coleman goes down, he'll definitely be in a 50-50 split with Matt Breida. So the same thing goes with Matt Breida. He'll be in a 50-50 split with Jerry McKinnon. Which means they might have some low-end flex appeal in that situation if the split is definitely 50-50. Tevin Coleman is the only one who might have more than 50% of the workload from the running back position. And therefore is the only one who gives you your true value at the 7th, 8th round for a flex guy. Only one. So don't take their advice of just take the lowest ranked guy because that's going to be the most valuable. That's stupid. Take the actual starter. Take the lead back. Take the guy who's been in the offense and excelled before. That would be Tevin Coleman. Okay, so now we can move on to the wide receivers and talk about Dante Pettis. All great things have been coming out of camp about Dante Pettis since minicamp 
We all knew from last year he got hurt in his rookie season, but he looked promising then. He's coming in. He's a young wide receiver who already has a full, complete route tree, which is rare in the NFL. He has good hands. He's not necessarily a special physical specimen in any kind of way. He's not overly big. He's not overly fast, but he's good. He's just, he's definitely going to be a solid wide receiver at the very least his entire career, you can tell. And he's now in a situation where he's going to be the number one wide receiver in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And that ex-wide receiver in Kyle Shanahan's offense always gets peppered with targets. Now, the drawback is, is that number one wide receiver typically, for whatever reason, and I've never been able to figure out why, but for whatever reason, that number one wide receiver seems to have a hard time getting into the end zone on a regular basis. That would be the one drawback to Dante Pettis. That's the one thing holding him back from having this true sleeper breakout season that a lot of people like him to have, including myself. But the ceiling on him gets capped because at the end of the day, six to seven touchdowns is probably the most you can hope for out of him given the history of the situation and given the fact that they have guys like George Kittle who they're going to go to. I think they're going to throw the ball to the running backs quite a bit come in the red zone. And just the offense in general doesn't seem to go that direction to the receiver. So just something to keep in mind. But I think Dante Pettis is primed for eight to 900 yards. And I think if everything went well, where the offense was clicking and Jimmy Garoppolo stayed healthy for 16 games, I do think there's a chance, a chance Dante Pettis could go for 1,000 yards. I stress the word chance because I don't want to hear on Twitter later on today or tomorrow about people saying like, oh, you got Dante Pettis going for a thousand yards. That's crazy. There's a chance if everything was to go right, the situation is there for things to go right, that that could happen. You're looking at eight to 900 yards. You're looking five to seven touchdowns at the end of the day, which puts him squarely in flex appeal territory and a pretty good one at that. And a guy who on bye weeks can be a wide receiver too for you if you need him to be. He's going to be the number one wide receiver. Backing him up is where it gets confusing. We're not exactly sure. Maybe it's Marquise Goodwin to start the year, and then Debo Samuel takes over. Maybe it's Debo Samuel from the get-go. Here's my synopsis for the receivers backing up Dante Pettis. I don't care. Marquise Goodwin has proven he's nothing more than a track star. Hence why he's going to be playing in the Olympics in 2020. He's nothing more than a track star. He's not actually that good. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is so good and so accurate that he could get value out of that. Do I think Goodwin's going to have big games? Do I think he's somebody who's worth taking in best ball leagues? Do I think he's somebody who might be worth taking a shot on in DFS from time to time? Yes, because he is explosive. Jimmy Garoppolo does know how to anticipate, can throw with accuracy, can put the ball out there to lead him in in situations where he's able to get past the secondary. That will happen from time to time. He's going to have a couple big games. For redraft leagues, when you're looking for a consistent play guy, I don't know how you're going to be able to tell when those weeks are going to come. Because it's not going to, it's not going to be one of those situations where the 49ers play somebody bad and it's like, okay, this is a prime week. Marquise Goodwin can have a deep ball based on the matchup. It's never going to happen then because it never does. It always happens when you don't expect it to. When it's been six weeks since he's done a damn thing. And then that's when all of a sudden he'll get you know, three catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns. That's when those games will happen. That's why best ball leagues, sure, but in redraft leagues, I don't know how you're touching them. And then the same thing goes for Debo Samuel. Look, my personal personal opinion on Debo Samuel, if you have not listened to the podcast that I dropped 
back in the NFL draft when I was going through my analysis and my scouting on all of these guys coming into the draft before they even went to any of their teams was that Debo Samuel has bust written all over him. He is a poor man version of Golden Tate. That is kind of what you're hoping him to be, where he's a more physical slot type receiver who's in a mold of a running back when it comes to his athletic ability. What I'm here to tell you is he has no hips. He cannot run a receiver tree. He's never going to have crisp routes. He's not going to be able to get separation easily at this level. Telling you right now, Debo Samuel is going to be a bust. And even if I'm wrong and he does develop into a good wide receiver in the NFL, from a redraft perspective, I don't care what league scoring you're in, there's no reason to take a guy Debo Samuel. There's no reason to take that second wide receiver because that second wide receiver on the 49ers is still going to be the fourth option that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to look to. It's going to be George Kittle. It's going to be Dante Pettis. It's going to be the running back. And then it's going to be that second wide receiver. So there's still no reason to draft him in a redraft league. None whatsoever. And that's mostly what we're gearing up towards at this part of the season. And if you're in Dynasty League, be warned. Be warned that Debo Samuel does not have the hips, is not going to be that wide receiver. I think he'd be much better served trying to form himself into a pass-catching-down running back than a slot-wide receiver because I don't think he's ever going to be able to get the explosiveness. And if you think I'm wrong, fine. Look no further than Kyle Shanahan's own comments during minicamp where he said he thinks Debo Sam is going to need to lose weight because he was having trouble breaking out of his routes with the explosiveness that he needs in order to get the separation that they're looking for at this level. Out of Kyle Shanahan's own mouth. So it's not just me. Just want to make that abundantly clear. I know there's a lot of buzz around Jalen Hurd. Unless you're in a dynasty league, there's really no reason to consider Jalen Hurd this year. It's going to be at least a year or two before he's able to develop into anything that could be consistently used on the field. Tight end situation, we know it's George Kittle. Backing him up in case anything were to happen to him would be Garrett Selleck, who still wouldn't have any streaming value for me, quite frankly. But is George Kittle. George Kittle's a top three tight end. We know what he is. You can make the argument of whether he should be number two or Ertz should be number two behind Travis Kelsey. You could go either way. He's going to be really good. He deserves a go in the bottom of the second, third rounds in most drafts. Period. There's not really much analysis to, to do. He's good. Take him if you have the opportunity to do so. Robbie Gold signed his contract, so Robbie Gold will be the kicker for the San Francisco 49ers. If they are not able to clean up their red zone ability, this is a team that with Jimmy Garoppolo should be able to move the ball pretty consistently and may have some may have a good amount of opportunities for field goal kicks. I don't know if Robbie Gold is somebody who I'm going to be looking to draft in my late rounds, but he is somebody who, if I have a kicker that is not one of the elite ones, that I will definitely have on my watch list as a possibility to stream here and there. That wraps up the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to take a break here, come back on the other side with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. The killer bees are all gone for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What is a fantasy player to do? Oh, wait, that's right. Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner are all still there. Never mind. This team still has great fantasy value. Look, this team threw for 687 times last season. Ben Roethlisberger is not going to have that many pass attempts again. I would expect this team to come back to the norm that they were at before where they actually ran the ball and had a bit more of a balanced attack, which can only mean great things for James Conner. Roethlisberger is Roethlisberger at this point. We know that there's a chance that when they play lesser competition that they will play down to their competition because for whatever reason that's something the Steelers do from time to time. We know that he's going to be a question mark on the road. Now, before it was, he was definitely going to be bad on the road. Last year, he did a pretty good job of not always playing horrible when he was away from Pittsburgh. So that was the good news on Ben Roethlisberger in that sense. But he's still a question mark when he's on the road. However, I still have this team throwing for a little over 600 times, which will still have them be in the top three of teams in pass attempts most likely. So the opportunities are still going to be there for Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Antonio Brown's not there, and that definitely takes a hit, I believe, to their overall production level, to Roethlisberger's overall production level. But he kind of is what he is at this point. You know he's a guy who's going to compete to be in the top 12, top 10 of quarterbacks. And that bottom tier of QB1s, the top tier of QB2s. And if you're taking a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, my advice to you would be to grab a second quarterback who you maybe want to platoon with him. Or at least have your eye on the waiver wire in case he goes back to his old ways of being absolutely terrible on the road this season. You're not going to hit your wagon to Ben Roethlisberger all year long when you take him, but he does have very good value because it's a team that is going to be pass first at the end of the day. They're still going to throw the ball more than run the ball. They're still going to throw the ball a lot. Like I said, they still haven't projected for about 600 times. That means they're going to be in the top three of teams throwing the football. He still has a lot of good weapons. Juju Smith-Schuster is still there. I like Vance McDonald there now for a full off season. We'll see if he can stay healthy, but Roethlisberger does well when he has a tight end he can count on. I think he's going to be able to count on Vance McDonald. You have Dante Moncrief, who's very good in the red zone. You have James Washington developing. James Conner, Jalen Samuels are going to be good catching the ball out of the backfield. He has weapons. He's going to be good. He's going to be fine. He's not going to fall off a cliff. He's going to be definitely inside the top 15. I think he's going to hover somewhere between 10 and 12 at the end of the day. Like I said, I'm not done all my projections. I'll get you more numbers out to you when I am finished with them. And as well, they'll be available to you on the mdffshow.com website. Of course, you should check that out now. But at the end of the day, there's been a lot of people talking about Ben Roethlisberger falling off a cliff, going down. I see some a lot of people have him ranked down like as QB20. That's ridiculous. Antonio Brown does not put Ben Roethlisberger 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer by himself in the position to be a top 10 QB one. There's still a lot of talent there. Ben Roethlisberger was still a good quarterback before Antonio Brown got there. It's going to be top five. No, he's not. Is it going to be top eight? No, he's not. 10 to 12. I think it's a good safe place for him. The offense is still good for him. He still has weapons. When it comes to the running back situation, this is where it gets a little bit hairier in the sense of a lot of people are either on James Conner's bandwagon or they're on the bandwagon that Jalen Samuels is going to get a bigger role, that Benny Snell will have a role this season. Well, let me let me get your concerns out to you right now. Benny Snell is not going to have a significant role this season. He's going to get some touches here and there because he's going to be the third string and just over the course of the season, eventually he'll get to touch the ball once in a while. But he's not going to have a significant role. That's number one. Thinking that he's going to because he's a third-round pick is... is I don't know when third-round picks suddenly became first- and second-round picks where they have this pressure on them and this expectation from the play in the rookie season right away. It never used to be the case. I don't know when that started happening. It's not going to happen in this situation. I can tell you that much right now. It's not, it's not an aging running back situation with James Conner. He's really young. Not an aging running back situation with Jalen Samuels. He's still very young. So Benny Snell is there to provide depth, and they liked his talent, so they took him. Plain and simple. It doesn't mean he's going to have a significant role, and he's not. So that's number one. Number two, Jalen Samuels is going to be involved in the passing game to the same level that he was involved in the passing game towards the end of last season, which means a 50-50 split when it comes to passing down work. He's not automatically going to come in on third downs or on two-minute drills no huddles, catch-up situations. It's not going to be an automatic thing. It's going to be in every other thing. It's going to be a 50-50 thing. James Conner is still going to get his. While Jalen Samuels is a better, I don't even say better, a more fluid pass catcher out of the backfield, James Conner is more explosive. So when he is able to get the ball out of the backfield in space, there's more of a chance that he could take it to the house or make a big play with it than Jalen Samuels can. Jalen Samuels is simply not as explosive as James Conner is. And Conner still caught the ball well. I don't know why people are acting as if James Conner was this like terrible pass-catching back a season ago. That was not the case at all. Not the case at all. He was very good all-around guy, and it wasn't until later on in the season when he started getting nicked up a little bit that Jalen Samuels even saw the field because of how well he was playing at that level and at that point. James, this is going to be James Conner's job. This is not going to be some kind of committee between him and Jalen Samuels. It's not going to be 
a situation where you have to worry about him getting capped at a certain number and therefore his ceiling being capped as a result. As I just got done talking about, the Steelers are not going to throw the ball the amount of times that they threw the ball last season. So automatically that means it's going to be more for the running backs to have in their in their pen, in their group, their touches. I was just trying to look up the numbers here. Now, in 13 games last season, James Conner had 67 targets, 55 receptions, 497 yards, and a touchdown. So he had almost 500 yards. He didn't even play a full 16-game season. That puts him right at the elite level with the pass-catching backs. I think he's going to be okay, guys. I think he's going to be okay. Less touches for in the passing game means more for the running backs. James Conner's going to get his. Plain and simple. Don't forget, he almost rushed for 1,000 yards on 13 games. Not even 16. And he was in double-digit touchdowns. It's going to be really good. Is he first round? Yeah, you can make the argument he belongs in the back end of the first round, especially if you're starting to get concerns about Melvin Gordon playing you know, the start of the season this year. I can understand that. I wouldn't put him ahead of Melvin Gordon myself, but I can understand the argument. I would feel better about James Conner in the second round for just a couple of reasons. One, I have to see him do it for more than one season. I'm not on this bandwagon where I'm ready to crown you a star after only seeing you do it for one year in the NFL. I think he's really good. I think he belongs in the second round. I think he's somebody who can be an RB1 for you. Two, if Jalen Samuels is going to take 50% of his passing work throughout the season rather than just the end of it, it will cap his ceiling to some degree in PPR and half-point formats. Standard, I don't think it affects him that much, but in those formats, it will cap his ceiling a little bit. So that's the only reason why I would say definitely second round, but I could see the argument for the back end of the first round. He's going to be really good, though. As far as the receiver position goes, I think we know what to expect. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the number one wide receiver of this team. Now, however, what that does not mean, does not mean he's going to absolve a significant amount of percentage of targets that Antonio Brown leaves behind. I constantly hear that, like, well, maybe he's going to get even more. It's not possible for Juju Smith-Schuster to get more work, quite frankly. He was already one of the highest targeted wide receivers a season ago. It's not possible. I'm looking at it now. He had 161 targets. He's not going to get 161 targets again. And then on top of that, you're just going to have the natural regression of not throwing the ball as much as I talked about. So it's not going to be a situation where he's going to get 161 targets again. Like I said, I'll let you know when I'm done with my projections. I'll let you know where he's at. But there's a couple of things to take in consideration with Juju Smith-Schuster this year. Being that he's going to be the number one wide receiver, he's going to be the main person that the defenses will game plan against. I think Smith-Schuster is a very good wide receiver. I don't know if he's a superstar. That's something I'm going to have to see. It's something we're all going to have to see, and you're going to get your opportunity to do so this season. But I don't know if he's quite on that level. I do think it plays really well for him, the fact that the Steelers are going to be a base three wide receiver formation, and that being that they signed Dante Moncrief to play the other outside and can play James Washington on the outside as well, the fact that they will try to keep Judas Schuster in the slot position as much as possible definitely helps. Because the one of the things I was afraid, fearful of this offseason 
was that they were going to come out and try to have him play more the outside because he is going to be the number one. And there was, you know, they moved Antonio Brown around. They're still going to move him around. But I don't know if he's that great of a receiver on the outside if he has to play it out there consistently. <coughs> Not to mention, that is easier for a defense to be able to game plan and take away when you're primarily an outside wide receiver. So I do like the fact that they were able to do some moves where they expect him to try to stay in the slot Maybe not quite as much as he was a season ago, but to a significant amount as their number one guy that you would expect in that position. So that's the good thing for it. Like I said, between between less passing attempts, between being the number one guy defenses are going to game plan, I just I think Smith Schuster might have a little bit less production than he did a season ago. Because I mean he was insane a year ago, over fourteen hundred yards too. Over 100 catches. I expect those numbers to have a little natural regression this year. It's going to be a little bit of a transition. But he's still going to be a wide receiver one. He's still going to be a guy you're going to want to take in the second round. I have no problem with that. That doesn't change for me. And he's going to have great upside because he is going to be on a team that will throw the ball a lot if they have to. For the tight end position, Vance McDonald is one of my favorite sleepers. One of my favorite sleepers. I've been waiting for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get a tight end that you could actually depend on for Ben Roethlisberger. Like I said, he likes to throw those tight ends, especially you can depend on them to move the chains, especially to depend on them in the red zone. Vance McDonald is a better athlete than I think he gets credit for, and a better, more explosive pass catcher than I think he gets credit for. His main issue over the last few years is his inability to stay healthy. So with this year coming into this season, coming into a full off season, is he going to be able to? That's going to be the main question mark you're going to have. And that's all you really got to talk about the tight ends, which is good because I actually need to go back to wide receivers for a second. <laughs> we didn't talk about the fact that Dante Moncrief or James Washington's value here. Dante Moncrief is a sleeper wide receiver for me because he is a guy that people forget how good he is in the red zone. That second wide receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers is similar to that second wide receiver on the Green Bay offense, where he's going to be fantasy relevant. He's going to be thrown to enough times and targeted enough times in valuable situations to make him fantasy relevant. Dante Moncrief is going to be that guy. I'm not impressed with James Washington. All these people that want to say he's going to, he's a playmaker, he's a playmaker in the making and all this other stuff. No. I'm not impressed with his explosiveness. I'm not impressed with his route running capabilities. He's going to be there. He's going to have some relevance. He's going to get his touches. He's going to be the third wide receiver in this offense. He's somebody you're going to have on the bench, though, if you draft him. And personally, I'm not bothering to draft him. He's somebody who I'm going to take off the waiver wire if Dante Moncrief gets hurt, which does happen from time to time, and when he becomes that number two guy. Because then he'll just have the opportunity where he could be the flex guy because he'll just, just sheer volume. But Dante Moncrief's the guy you want. He's going to be the number two. He's going to be the red zone guy. So I really like him as a sleeper, especially right now when he's going back in the 14, 15, 16 rounds right now. You can take him for practically nothing and have a flex wide receiver on your hands. Or at least a great depth at the position for bye weeks at the minimum. So Dante Moncrief, definitely somebody you should be looking at. As far as the Pittsburgh Steelers defense goes... Streaming, nothing more. 
And I don't even know how many times you're going to want to stream them this year because they're actually going to be in an off uh, a division that's going to have pretty good offenses all the way through. And even in the Baltimore Ravens case where they're an offense that might not put up a ton of points, they're not going to turn the ball over that often either. So I don't know how many fantasy points are going to be there for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get within the division. So it's just going to be a streaming thing with them. I do think they've gotten a little bit better to where if they do play some bad offenses, I think they they have a pass rush this year. I think they're going to be able to do a couple of things. I think they're going to be stream-worthy. Just like every, oh, well, I shouldn't say every, but almost every defense has some stream-worthy ability to them. The kicker is still expected to be Chris Boswell. I don't want any part of Chris Boswell. He's the one of the few kickers out there who kind of goes against the normal thinking, which is you want a kicker in a good offense that puts up a lot of points because they'll get a lot of opportunities to kick field goals and to kick extra points. He's like one of the few that actually don't do that because the Steelers actually go for it on fourth down more than anybody else. They actually go for two more than anybody else. So he winds up getting rendered useless because Mike Tomlin likes to be super aggressive. So I actually stay away from Chris Bogwell as far as kickers go. He's not even really a streaming guy for me. That's going to wrap up the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to come back on the other side with the New England Patriots. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Ah, yes. The New England Patriots. The best, most annoying team to have to break down from a fantasy football perspective every single season. So let's start off with something that with the Patriots is pretty simple this year, and that would be Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a outside the top 16 of quarterbacks when it comes to fantasy football, especially this year with no Gronk. He just doesn't have a lot of weapons. He's not going to be asked to the ball a lot. This is very easily could be a team that's a run-first team this season. And outside of Julian Edelman, he has a lot of guys who have either not been with the team for very long or are rookies. So it's going to take time to develop chemistry with all those guys. It's going to take time to develop with Neil, Nikhil Harry. Not only is he learning how to play at the next level, but he's also playing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady has to trust you first before he starts throwing the ball to you a healthy amount. I think it's going to take some time. Julian Edelman is the guy to me that winds up benefiting the most as a result because Gronk's gone. He's got the whole middle of the field to himself. Tom Brady, when he does throw the ball, is going to be looking to go to the middle of the field first before he goes to the outside, which is another reason why I think it hurts guys like Nikhil Harry or if he thought there might be some sleeper potential for Demaryius Thomas if he was actually able to make the team, which I don't think he will, or Dontrell Inman possibly when he had a decent stretch last year for the Colts. The only guy who could be an outside wide receiver for the Patriots this season and still have significant value would be Josh Gordon if he does, in fact, get reinstated. But so far, other than hearing that he's been working out with Tom Brady and has applied for reinstatement, we haven't heard anything develop on that side yet. I tend to think, given the status of the NFL, given the way some of these suspensions have worked, I tend to think that they'll give him an opportunity to come back this season. But there's been no guarantees, and since we heard him apply for reinstatement, we haven't heard much since then. The only thing we can know for certain is that when he does come back, it will be with the New England Patriots. So that's the only thing to keep your eye on as far as that situation goes. 
Maybe Nikhil Harry towards the end of the season will have some value if he's able to get on the same page with Tom Brady and be that outside guy that he goes to, especially if Josh Gordon does not get reinstated. Maybe. But it's not enough for me to want to draft Nikhil Harry with anything more than a flyer pick very late in my draft. He's going a little too early for me. He's going like that 11th, 10th round. He's not going to be targeted enough on a consistent basis, especially early in the season, to be warning a guy who you're saying you think he has flex upside at that point. Because that's what you're looking at. You're looking at that 11th, 10th round. You're looking at the 4th, 5th wide receiver on most fantasy teams. You're saying that he think you think he's going to have flex appeal, that he has flex potential at the very least. That's what you're saying. I don't know that he does at least not until very late in the season, and that's something you're going to have to see first and see it develop first before you're going to be able to take that chance or be confident in it being happening for you to play him, especially in a redraft league. Dynasty league, yeah, of course, he has value, high value at that. He's going to be the number one wide receiver. You figure the Patriots will have somebody ready to go when Brady does retire, yeah. But for this season, for redraft leagues, doesn't matter the scoring position, doesn't matter 10-12 team leagues, doesn't matter. Don't take the kill Harry. There's no point. He's a guy who'd be much better off picking up off the waiver wire. And I guarantee you, if someone in your draft does take him, he's going to get dropped within the first few weeks. So he's going to be available to you on the waiver wire, whether you draft him or not. I'm telling you that right now. So I just want to simmer some of the value that has been going on with Nikhil Harry. Julian Edelman is the only wide receiver on the Patriots that I want to own. And I think the PPR, he's... Right now, he's going about that fourth round, seemingly regardless of the scoring situation, which I think is debatable because I think if it's a standard league, I think he belongs more in the fifth, sixth round. But in PPR, he definitely belongs in that fourth round territory. I wouldn't call you crazy, depending on how deep your leagues are, if he went in the third round. Because I think this is a guy who's looking at 90-plus catches this year, given the situation, given the sheer lack of targets around him now, especially with Gronk on. Now, for the tight end position... I don't love it for the tight end position. Matt LaClosse, I know a lot of people want to put him like, oh, well, he's a sleeper guy because he's going to be the starter and the Patriots have been known to use the tight ends. Now, the Patriots have been known to use Rob Gronkowski, and before that, it was Aaron Hernandez. That's who the Patriots have been known to use. Dwayne Allen has done what? Every time there's a secondary tight end, everybody wants to make him a sleeper for the Patriots because, like, oh, they use the tight end so often, and Gronk gets hurt. And yet, Gronk gets hurt. And what kind of uses do you get out of the tight end situation? The closest thing was Martellus Bennett, and even he wasn't very good when he got to play, and he got to be the starter when Robert Kowski got hurt. So, no, if you haven't been named Gronk or before that Aaron Hernandez, the Patriots really don't amplify the tight end position all that much if you actually think about it and go back and check. So I don't really care about Matt LaClosse. Matt LaClosse is not a guy who I think has some kind of hidden special talent that's going to make him a sleeper while Ben Watson is suspended for the first four games. I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to be the case. Don't bother drafting a Patriots tight end just for the sake of them being a Patriots tight end. They're not named Gronk, so it doesn't matter. Now, as far as that situation goes, yes, there's reports that there's a quote-unquote 40% chance that Rob Gronkowski could come back this season. I'm telling you right now, if Rob Gronkowski was going to come back this season, he would have came back already. Or it would be more than a 40% chance heading into the first week of training camp that he would come back if that was actually going to take place. Maybe next year. 
I think Rob Gronkowski truly wants to take a full year off. Maybe next year he comes back. That's I do think that's a possibility. But for this year, don't bother trying to take or trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Like, oh, I'm gonna take Gronk with my last pick and hope he comes back, and then I can be just the genius. Like, no, don't bother. It's a waste of a roster spot, and I hate wasting roster spots, especially in redraft leagues, because you need them all. You need them all. The most difficult, annoying position to break down when it comes to the New England Patriots, as always, is the tight end position. I'm sorry, not the tight end, the running back position. So annoying. It's no different. This year, it might actually even be worse than it has been in years past because now they draft Damian Harris and such a high pick on top of it is what really drives me crazy. Who knows? And there's even a lot of talk that they really do truly want to try to keep Rex Burkhead. I have a hard time believing that. I have to believe Burkhead's going to get cut. I don't see what his role is on this team. If you drafted Damian Harris, who can do a little bit of everything, which is the reason why you drafted him, he can run a little bit, he can catch the ball a little bit. He's the bridge between Sony Michelle and James White. Who, um, in parentheses, by the way, Sony Michelle can catch the ball. He is actually a very good pass catcher. If you ever go back and look at his college tape and look at the role he played with Nick Chubb in Georgia, uh, he's a hell of a pass catcher. Why they refuse to let him do that at all, I have no idea, and it severely caps his ceiling, and it drives me crazy, but that's besides the point. The facts are the facts. They do not have Sonny Michelle in a pass-catching-down role, and it's been clear with the Damian Harris pick and James White being there and the fact that they want to talk about keeping Rex Burkhead that he will not be in a passing-down role at all this season. If he catches the ball, it's going to be by sheer luck. It's going to be like watching LeGarrette Blunt catch the ball, even though he actually can catch the ball. He actually can be utilized in that way, and they just won't. James White's still going to have his third down role. He's still going to be one of the most trusted targets for Tom Brady heading into a year where he only has a couple of those. So they're still going to use him in that third down role quite a bit. But Damian Harris is going to get used. He's not just going to sit the bench. It's not going to be last year where it was Sony Michelle and James White because there was nobody else for once. It's not going to be that situation this year. You're going to have at least a third guy involved. It's going to be like years of old where it's just like, just tell me who you're going to use this week. So I can actually make a good pick. So I can actually rank correctly. I still expect Sony Michelle to be the primary runner. But maybe they're not planning on using him 20 times a game as far as carries go. Maybe it's more like 18. If it's 18 carries with little to no chance of receptions... Sony Michelle goes from a guy who I was looking at as a high-end RB2 with RB1 upside, given the potential opportunity with the New England Patriots and his scoring ability, to a guy who goes to like a low-end RB2 with mid-RB2 upside because I don't know how consistent this dude's going to be. There's a lot of guys all of a sudden that's going to eat, and it's only it, it's not it's only going to get worse from here on out unless somebody gets cut or somebody gets injured. And the problem with that is that Sony Michelle is most likely the guy to get injured. I get why you draft Damian Harris. I'm not I'm not knocking them for the pick. It's just from a fantasy perspective, it's a migraine to try to figure out who's going to get the ball, how many touches are going to be divvied out. It's always is with the Patriots, but this year could be one of the worst years. James White is getting too much hype for PPR leagues. Now, he's not going to get a ton of hype for standard leagues. It's always going to be the case, and he's... Never going to get overly hyped in half-point PPR leagues. And he's going about where he should in those types of scoring leagues. He's going back 8th, ninth round. 
that's where he belongs. But right now, there is a hype train trying to push him up draft boards in PPR leagues. I'm here to tell you he's not going to have the role he had last year. Number one, he's not going to have 12 total touchdowns. He's not going to have those five rushing touchdowns that he had a season ago. That's not going to happen. He probably will not have seven receiving touchdowns this season because Harris will get some work in passing down. It's not going to be just James White all to himself. So that's going to probably be more like five, more like how his years throughout his career have been like, which is about five per year. It's not going to be 800 yards receiving damn near. It's going to be closer to be like between five and 600 yards receiving. So James White's going to go back down to what he was, which is he's going to have some flex appeal in PPR leagues. He's going to be a guy that you can throw in on your leagues when you have a bye week to be able to fill in as an RB2 and get you a decent floor because of the pass catches. But this is not going to be James White top 10 running back from a PPR standpoint a season ago. Unless unless everyone gets hurt again. Unless Rex Burkhead is off the team or gets hurt. Unless Sonny Michelle gets hurt. And it's just James White and Damian Harris. Maybe in that situation. But unless that happens, he's not going to have the same role he did last year. So cool it on the hype train that is building right now for James White. Because a lot of people are looking at him as if he's some kind of steal in the 7th round right now in PPR leagues. And I'm telling you right now, that that's that's where he belongs. If anything, that's, that might be a little too high. I might rather have him in the 8th, ninth round even if it's a PPR league. It still might be a little too high. So easy with that because right now I'm hearing it from so many different places that I wouldn't be surprised if James White over the next few weeks went from the seventh round to the fifth or the fourth round in PPR leagues because that's how much hype he's getting as he should be this bona fide RB2 for PPR leagues. I'm telling you, cool your jets. He's going to lose some work share. That's going to wrap it up for New England Patriots. On the other side of this break, I have a great interview for you guys to help us break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Make sure you keep listening in. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. 
Welcome back to the show, MD Nation. And in today's last segment of the episode, to help us break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have a wonderful guest on the line to help us do just that. He was a premier sports writer for 19 years for the Tampa Bay Times. He is now the current Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat writer for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at Greg Allman. It gives me great joy to introduce to you Mr. Greg Allman. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate this. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so great to have you here. Our listeners are going to be so excited to hear the inside information that you have for a very loaded fantasy-relevant team heading into this season, to be sure. Definitely, yeah. I think that the fantasy interest in the Bucks is probably more than the overall interest right now. Uh, the offense is definitely the, the better side of the ball. So lots of curiosity. Uh, who's going to step up? There's a couple of different situations that obviously uh, kind of remain to be determined here. But, uh, yeah, fun to, to speculate on who might go where. Oh, absolutely, and and being that this is the first time on your show, on this show, excuse me, this show, um, what I like to do a lot of times for my listeners is that they don't know you yet. I like to ask you a couple personal questions about you so they can get to know you and maybe want to check you out even more. So you were the writer for the Tampa Bay Times for 19 years until the past year or so when you switched over to the Athletic. Can you tell us about how that transition has been for you? Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, the Athletic is a huge staff. Um, great product that just continues to grow. Uh, an amazing amount of writers. I mean, so much of our industry right now, unfortunately, is, is losing jobs and, and staffs getting smaller. Um, and the athletic is kind of the, the opposite right now. It's great, and that they're continuing to expand their staff. Um, you know, I was impressed when, when I came on. It was like 150 writers and rising, um, and, and now it's over 300. So, I mean, you know, writers on every single pro team: baseball, football, hockey, basketball. Uh, we just added like 10 more college writers last week. Um, they've had a WNBA, they've had a business writers, all kinds of stuff. So really cool thing and just, just awesome to be part of a team that's uh, growing and adding new subscribers every day. Yeah, the the brand, The Athletic, really has been taking off and have I have been reading on it more and more. I just became a subscriber to The Athletic myself just because there's so much great information on there, uh, especially as of late, especially when it comes to inside information, to your point. So with someone in your position who's had a great, long, successful career, I'm sure has had many wonderful experiences. Is there one or two highlight experiences that you could share with the listeners for you personally? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's neat to be able to cover the big event. So, you know, when the Bucks went to the Super Bowl, uh, O2 was able to, to kind of jump in and help with that coverage, went to San Diego for the week, went to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. Uh, so that was really great. Um, you know, I've covered national championship games, covered other Super Bowls. So th- those are the things that probably pop out the most. But lots of fond memories, you know, uh, even with the, the smallest things. I mean, you cover high schools for five years. You have lots of good memories covering that, covered colleges. There's a lot I still miss about uh, covering college athletics, too. So lots of fond memories. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's all. That's truly loving your job, being able to love it when you do high school and college. And then all the way through, you've been able to see all three levels. That's That's fantastic. So let's get on here to the football questions, what everybody wants to know. First, when you talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously it starts with the new coaching staff. So the most important question to address when thinking about them in a fantasy perspective is how is the new offense looking under Bruce Arians and offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich? Yeah, I think people are excited. I mean, this was a good offensive team last year. And under Dirk Cutter, he was a very much an offensive-minded coach. Um, You know, and I think they that was definitely the stronger side of the ball. Uh, when you look at the Bucks last year, I mean, you had most passing yards in the NFL. Um, you know, a ton of receivers, uh, half of which are kind of gone now. So yeah, under Arians, you know, in terms of what will be different, I, I still think they're going to throw the ball deep a ton. Um, 
a lot of different schemes in terms of their offensive line blocking and things like that. But for the most part, uh, a lot of the offensive personnel is the same. Um, you know, it's still Winston. It's still very much uh, you know, two great tight ends. Mike Evans as an elite receiver. Um, so it's, some things have changed. Some things are are very much the same. Okay. And then, um, well, one of the big things that people think might be a change is the development of Jameis Winston under Bruce Arians. Is that consistent with your view that that is a possibility this season? Oh, no, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, Arians, if you look at his reputation, uh, you know, his book is called The Quarterback Whisperer. He's, he's worked with a lot of really good quarterbacks in this league when they were young, um, be that Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and Loffersberger. Um, so you, their hope is certainly that you can add Winston to the list and, and that he can help Jameis take uh, a step forward that he really hasn't been able to. I mean, I think he's been a, a good quarterback at times, uh, but somebody who's had trouble with interceptions, with turnovers, uh, with limiting their mistakes, that, that's probably what he needs to do most to, to take a step in the next direction. He's, he's in a big year, a very pivotal year, um, in that right now he's in a fifth-year option. He's making good money, making about $21 million. Uh, but he does well, you know, would be in line for, for one of these big, huge quarterback contracts that they give these days, um, which would set him up for a long time and, and kind of lock him in with the Bucks as their guy. Um, you know, He's 25 years old, already has some of the franchise's career records, which is crazy. But um, it's important for him this year because if he doesn't take that step forward, if he's still struggling with interceptions, he's not leading the team to victory, uh, then they might make the decision to go another direction. That's one of those where you get to a point where you don't want to pay a, a good quarterback great money. So uh, you might reset and they might look at drafting a quarterback and moving on. Yeah, I mean, I definitely definitely don't disagree. I, I, Jameis Winston is one of my sleeper quarterbacks heading into for fantasy drafts this year because it's really set up for him to succeed. It's the Aryan system. He's got a ton of weapons. So he really has everything he should need in order to take that next step up, and that's why I think he could have a big statistical year uh, as well. One of the hardest things with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is who are we expecting to be the starting running back? Reports say Peyton Barber, but they also say Ronald Jones has looked very good. And, you know, it would stem to reason that he should be the future moving forward. Who do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I wish I could tell you. I mean, it's a tough (laughs) thing, and it's something where neither one, you know, I mean, everything we've heard this spring is in non-contact spring practices. They really don't tell you that much. So uh, Peyton Barber is certainly the more established product, a known commodity. Um, he's led him in rushing each of the last two years, but hasn't been that great in doing so. Um, you know, I think last year he had more than 250 touches and less than 1,000 yards, and he's the only guy in the last five years in the NFL to do that. So, hasn't necessarily produced at a high level. I think the hope is that uh, with him back, uh, with new coaching around him and a better offensive line scheme in front of him, he could be improved. Uh, they've been very consistent in praising Peyton Barber. Uh, but they've also had a lot of praise for Ronald Jones, who was you know, nearly non-existent as a rookie, had less than 100 yards for the whole year, just couldn't get on the field at all. Um, I think the hope is that there can be you know, more trust from this coaching staff um, and progress from him, um, not only as a runner, but as a pass catcher, as somebody who knows when to pick up blitzes and how to handle pass protection, because that's really what, what gets a running back on the field. So the two of them together... Um, I think the hope is they're a, a much better product, but it's hard to know which which of those two is going to emerge as the uh, as the primary ball carrier. If you can get that right, uh, you can get an absolute steal and get you know these guys are going about 40th among running backs right now. So if you can figure out which of the two is the guy to get and get that right, you'll have a pretty good value there. 
Oh, so you are a fantasy man because you nailed that exactly right with where they're going right now. Yeah, yeah and that de- and definitely um because of the Arian system too, and that he will typically lean on one guy if he feels like he has one guy he can trust, it really has a big fantasy potential uh right there for, for somebody if they can actually take hold of that job. With Yeah, but No no uh with with the receivers, it's a little more concrete. We have a little, we know a little bit more what we want to look forward to. I think the only question when it comes to Mike Evans and when it comes to Chris Godwin is what is their ceiling within this offense? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's plenty of plenty of room for improvement on both. I mean, Mike Evans has been very consistent, a thousand yard guy all five of his years. Uh, but the touchdowns really haven't been there the last two years. I, mean, he's, I think he's had 13 touchdowns over the last two years combined. Um, you know, twice he's had 12 touchdowns in a season. So that's what he wants to get back to is his double-digit touchdowns. You, you kind of need that to be able to make the case for yourself as a you know a top five receiver across the league. Um, you usually see him getting drafted down between like sixth and eighth among receivers right now. Um, and yeah, and, and that's that's definitely there for him if he wants wants to have that connection with Winston that he maybe didn't have consistently enough last year, where you can become uh, more of a red zone target and threat. He can easily. You know, again, I, I think we know he's going to have 80 catches and 1,200 yards. It's just a matter of whether it's 12 touchdowns or, or 8 touchdowns. You know, Chris Godwin is probably a little bit more fun to project. You know, his trajectory has been upwards since he's been in the league. Bruce Arian said, you know, he's close to a 100-catch guy, uh, which is awesome. I mean, the Bucs have only had one 100-catch season in their history, so that'd be huge if it happened. Um, you know, I think he's a strong number two to Mike Evans here. I think the drop-off from two to three is a big one. Uh, but no, I mean, I think it'd be easy for a guy to have 80 catches and 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. And like I said, to be a strong number two and, and take up a lot of the targets that they lost when Deshaun Jackson went to Philly and when Adam Humphreys went to Tennessee. After that, I don't know if the other receivers really have a lot of fantasy relevance right now. You, you could see something like Rashad Perriman do well, but I doubt anybody else has more than uh, five or six touchdowns in here. Well, that kind of leads into my next question when we talk about the tight ends, because is this an offense that's really going to feature three wide receivers like Bruce Arians has in the past, or is this an offense where he might use a lot of two tight end sets? No, I think he will. His history um, isn't real strong with tight ends, especially with second tight ends. You have to go back to, like, Keith Miller and his Steelers days to see a really productive and prominent tight end in his offense. But I don't know that he's had many talents like he has this year with O.J. Howard and also to some extent with Cameron Braid as well. So... If you look at O.J. Howard, I think his first two years, you know, he's missed a combined eight games in his first two years. So he's had five touchdowns, he's had six touchdowns. Uh, It's neat to think about what he can do uh, with a full season, with a full healthy season. Uh, I think he'd be a Pro Bowl type tight end. I think he'd be 10 touchdowns easy. Um, You know, Cam Braid is a guy that that really played injured all of last year, wasn't really himself, and is just now getting fully healthy. But, I mean, Cam has 20 touchdowns in the last three years. There's not many tight ends in the NFL that can say that. So I think he's going to continue to be somebody that Jameis Winston trusts and looks to in the red zone. Um, to where, again, even if the yardage numbers aren't there and he's getting less than 500 yards, he's still probably a decent uh, decent chance to get five or six touchdowns again, which, you know, for low-round fantasy, if he's your backup tight end, um, you know, kind of start him here and there, that could work out pretty well, too. Oh, absolutely. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a tight end just consistently catch touchdowns the way Cameron Brait does. And then to your point, with tight ends, if you don't have one of the top you know, five or so, all you need is a touchdown from a guy to be a, a tight end one no particular week. So that kind of makes him in that in that area as well. Um, 
As far as the other fantasy thing goes with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and kind of a fun thing just to talk about in general, do you believe the Buccaneers may have finally fixed their kicking woes? Yeah, potentially. I can't say I've gotten a, a Matt Gay fantasy football question yet this offseason. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they certainly hope so. I mean, you look at, this is, I think it's seven kickers in seven years. They've tried to draft them high. They've tried to pay well in free agency. And nothing's really worked. Uh, you can just go all the way down the list from, uh, you know, go back to Connor Barth to uh, Roberto Aguayo to uh, Chandler Catanzaro Kyle Brinza, and, and so many guys that have come and gone. So, uh, again, they, they try to invest in the draft. I said Matt Gay. Um, I do think he's probably the guy that'll get the job. Cairo Santos is back from last year, uh, but only got about $200,000 to guarantee money, where it'd be pretty easy to, to go with the guy they, they most recent resources in with Matt Gay. He's looked good um, in terms of getting stuff done in, in preseason, uh, as you say, in, in spring. I mean, um, made the kick. Good, strong leg. He's only really been playing football about the last two years. But, uh, no, I mean, as, as a flyer goes, you'll be able to get Matt Gay with the last pick in your fantasy draft. If you're a Bucks fan and want to have a Bucks presence on your team, um, you know, I think they would like to think this is an offense going to score a lot of points. So um, you could find value there if you want to trust in a rookie kicker and hope that he can uh, take a big step forward. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly why I asked you the question, because for a lot of leagues that still draft kickers, you can go later on, you want to take a kicker who's going to be on offense as a chance to score a lot of points. This is that offense. The question is, you know, are you going to have somebody who's not going to miss a ton of kicks like they've had in, in years past? So that's, right. I am glad I'm the first one to ask you that, though. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> So before we close down this interview, which has been great, you've given us a lot of great information that we're really going to be able to utilize, I believe, with the listeners and, and even my uh, I myself when I go to look for my projections and rankings. Um, what is something that you're working on now that our listeners can go check you out on? What's the best places to follow you? And is there anything else you would like to uh, plug or talk about before you leave us? No, thanks. You know, right now, I think most NFL writers are just getting ready for the start of training camp. I mean, uh, for the Bucks is next week. Um, you know, rookies are going to be reporting on Sunday, veterans reporting uh, next Thursday, and then you're you're in the grind of practice every day and training camps and then preseason. So, uh, a lot of what I'm doing right now is just is just preseason preview stuff and uh, doing stuff around the NFC South and getting ready for breaking down the roster and position battles, all that kind of stuff. Uh, like you said earlier, I'm on Twitter at my name Greg Allman G R E G A U M A N. Uh, really like being interactive on there, and then obviously everything I write is is at theathletic.com. Um, if you look right now, I think with our NFL expansion, if you look around Twitter, you can get forty uh, percent off a, pr- a subscription, which is a, a great deal. Uh, works out to like three dollars a month. And, and again, it's it's more than fifty NFL writers. It's a lot of uh, fantasy specific content on there. We really ramped up our fantasy game. They've already got their draft kit online. Uh, so a lot of good stuff there. Thanks very much for talking, and, and thanks to everybody already on board as a subscriber. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a great source of information. Uh, really one of the top ones out there. Thank you so much, Greg, for coming on the show. I hope to have you again on again sometime, uh, if you ever want. And I hope you have a, a wonderful day. Hey, thanks again. We'll have to do it again soon. All right, awesome. Thank you. That is going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We had another great time recording this for you. We will be back on Monday with Part 7. Remember, this is an eight-part series, the Fantasy Analysis by Team Depth Charts. Make sure you're checking us out on Twitter at Show. Make sure you turn the notifications on for the Twitter account as well. Check us out on Facebook at Show there as well. The website, mdffshow.com. Dot com or any of the one of the networks to check us out or other podcasts out or any of the great 
articles that are produced from OvertimeHeroics.com, BellyUpSports.com, or UnwrapSports.com. Make sure also that this is the time of the year where you guys can ask me questions on Twitter, on Facebook. Go to the go to the website. You can do the contact us or send me a direct email. Anybody who asks me a question, I will be sure to get back to you and give you a nice, thoughtful, analytic answer. I will be sure to do that for you guys because that's what I'm here to do. And remember, during the season... I'm going to be plucking out questions from the audience to have a mailbag segment uh, in one of the preview episodes this year. So definitely take advantage of that. I'm here at your disposal. You can always contact me and I will help you with your fantasy questions, especially gearing up for your drafts. I hope you guys have a wonderful day and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.